out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And I'm broadcasting tonight from my hometown of Los Angeles, like you do every week. This is my favorite week of the year, and for those of you who are listening outside the U.S., Thursday is Thanksgiving, an absolutely sensational holiday. I love it. And, of course, here in the U.S., it also kicks off the shopping spree from Thanksgiving through Christmas. The Friday after Thanksgiving is called Black Friday, and the reason they call it Black Friday is because it's the day that... um, Retailers actually get into the black after being behind for 11 twelfths of the year. So, and on uh, Black Friday, the frenetic shopping begins. This year, all the major retailers are opening Thanksgiving night from 4, 5, 6 p.m. and staying open for the weekend. People have been camping outside the major retailers for six or seven days now to get the massive specials that are offered. And retail store sales over the Thanksgiving weekend are estimated to be $60 billion. Something interesting came across my desk today. On Black Friday, nine out of ten parents will use their smartphones to shop. So over Black Friday weekend, a whopping 90% of parents who own smartphones will use them for shopping assistance while looking for gifts, according to a recent survey. Top activities include checking for item availability before going to the stores, 55%, finding items are on sale, 50%, and researching gift ideas, 49%. So that's 90% of people will use their smartphones to help them decide where to shop and what to buy. That's extraordinary. Now, not to be outdone, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, after Black Friday, is called Small Business Saturday, and there's a massive campaign right across the country that's supported by American Express, a very cool idea to get people to shop small and to shop local, and it's working. The estimated sales on Small Business Saturday are expected to be about six thousand million dollars and then just to round out the weekend the monday after thanksgiving is cyber monday and the focus is on online sales and americans will spend two billion online just on monday it's a fantastic time to shop retailers really slash their prices to the bone but you've got to be prepared to be caught in the rush and receive a lot of bruises while you're getting 50 to 75% off everything, Um, except if you're smart and you shop on Cyber Monday. Now, it's very difficult to get into those crushes, particularly after sensational Thanksgiving feasts, lots of apple and 
pumpkin and pecan pies. How good is this? But when you sit down on Thursday for your Thanksgiving meal, please remember that there are 50 million people in the United States that go to bed hungry every night. So while you're gouging yourself on all this fabulous food, think about the 50 million people who go hungry and uh, perhaps pick up the phone, donate. Um, I know that I saw a number of food drives on television today. So if you can help, please help. Now, I'm not so concerned about the big guys or the online retailers, but it's really important that the small retailers make the most of Small Business Saturday. It's a tough business out there. A lot of companies, local governments, business associations, and a whole bunch of others, American Express, as I mentioned before, are behind Small Business Saturday. American Express is giving you 10%, sorry, $10 off any of your transactions that day. But if you're a small retailer and you need to help yourself, you know, you've got to get off your butt and go out there and earn the patronage. And a couple of things you could do, you could plan a, I don't know, an in-store event or you could have a special offer for the day. You could put on catering or put some entertainment in the store. Maybe you can work with the local um, Chamber of Commerce and uh, do something in your in your area just to get people to come. Because if you're a small business, don't heavily discount prices and particularly products with your big margins because you'll never beat the Walmarts of this world on price, so don't even try. You can only beat them on service and value. So maybe you offer extended guarantees or warranties or something like that, but something that gives the customer value. And customers go out in force looking to buy, so the fact that you're small and the fact that you're not uh, Walmart doesn't stop people from going to you, but... Um, and they know you're not going to be cheaper, so give them value. And if you're a small store, go onto the American Express website. They've got a whole bunch of great ideas that can help you. And, uh, you know, one thing that I saw work very well was um, you give a discount to a customer if they can show you a receipt from another shop in, in your shopping center or in your area. Um, so that encourages people to go and buy more locally. So, so this is a great opportunity for all entrepreneurial retailers just to show how good you are and capitalise on this great shop small initiative. And as you know, here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and also with our consulting business, we champion entrepreneurs. No matter where you are in the world, we'll do all we can to support you. And I thank you for supporting us. We love to get feedback, and we really appreciate you enjoying, enjoying the show. Now, there are literally thousands of entrepreneurs creating new gadgets and new solutions every single day. And I see thousands of them, and, and unfortunately, most of them are impractical or just have a short-term solution to a problem, and uh, many are often not even that. And in a week's time, there's a better there's a better mousetrap. However, I'd like to have hats off to PayPal veteran Kanish Parashar, 
who this week launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise funds to produce his fabulous new device called Coin. I love this. Coin's an all-in-one card. It stores all your other credit cards, your debit cards, your store cards, your gift cards, your loyalty cards, your gasoline cards. It stores all your cards on one device that's the same size as a regular single credit card. It's got an interface that allows you to scroll through your cards, select the one that you want. That changes the magnetic stripe, and it shows you which card's going to be charged. It is brilliant. It's going to retail next year for about $100. But what a brilliant practical gadget. So instead of a big fat wallet with 20 cards in it, you'll be able to carry just one card. I have to get one of those. It is an absolute must for the Pritchard. We've often spoken on this program about the remarkable 3D printers and how in the not-too-distant future, instead of ordering and buying a product at a store or buying it online and having it shipped to your home or office, you'll just simply order it. The design plans will be sent to the 3D printer in your home or office, and you'll be able to make the product right then, right there. This is not some invention in the future. I've, you know, I've talked to some people about 3D printers and they say, oh, yeah, somewhere in the future. They are here now. They are selling by the tens of thousands. There are 3D printers for 500 bucks and there are 3D printers for 1 million bucks, depending on the nature and the quality of what you want to make. Well, I saw an article during the week which detailed a number of things that you can now print on a 3D printer. It will blow you away. They're printing prosthetic ears and noses as well as other body parts for people who are disfigured or have some issue. Now, conventional prosthetics cost somewhere around $4,000 each. With 3D printers... Costs are significantly reduced, and replacements can be made very quickly, almost immediately, for 150 bucks. I mean, how fantastic is that? 3D printers are now being made to make replacement bones for patients needing orthopedic or dental procedures. Shish. And NASA, here's a practical one. <laughs> NASA's just debuted a printer that prints pizza. <laughs> The idea is that it's a lot easier to send a 3D printer and ingredients into space than it is to send a whole bunch of already prepared foods. So what do you want for dinner tonight, guys? Pizza. Okay, let's print one. I reckon that's cool. And while we're on food, Cornell University have a 3D printer that prints desserts. And while the desserts all look identical, they're actually made from different ingredients based on individual nutritional requirements. So they whack out a whole bunch of desserts and each one's custom made for the person who's going to get it. How cool is that? Nike and New Balance are both 3D printing shoes custom made to people's feet. And that handmade guitar will also be a thing of the past with fully functional 3D printer Gibson Les Paul guitars being made now. Now, the next use of 3D printing is really extraordinary. Mothers 
can now not only show off their ultrasound scans, they can actually have a life-size exact replica of the fetus created on a 3D printer. How cool is that? I'm not sure that I'd want to walk around with a 3D printing of my fetus, but nevertheless. The Heriot Watt University in London can create micro-tissues and micro-organs with stem cells that can be used to test prescription drugs much more accurately than testing on rats and rabbits. Now, that's pretty practical. Mechanics are now using 3D printers to make replacement auto parts, and soldiers out there in the theatre can immediately create replacements for equipment that breaks down. So you have a piece of equipment in your truck that breaks down, you just print a new one in the middle of the battlefield. And next year, a couple of 20-year-old brothers are driving a car across the United States that has been entirely made. Every piece of this car has been made on a 3D printer. So anybody who thinks that 3D printers are sometime in the future, you would be very wrong. Another app that caught my attention this week's one invented by two women in London, <laughs> this is cute, this one, that helps women anonymously gossip about men. On Lulu, women can rate men on a scale of 1 to 10 across a whole range of categories without the man's consent. When rating a man, women are prompted to share how they know him and then are asked to check off all the good and bad qualities that apply. Two women have raised $3.5 million for Lulu. They have 80 million profiles that have been viewed and 12 million searches have been conducted. And the average female user comes back to Lulu eight times a week. God. Jesus, it's getting hard to be anonymous, isn't it? Um, I don't want to pull up my profile. Gosh, Ruth. Apparently... Quite a number of men have complained about their profiles. There's been a whole lot of complaints, but so far, no lawsuits. Wow, sounds to me like women are finally getting their own back. Now, I thought I'd finish off this segment with the retailers, musicians, TV shows and causes that have the most likes on Facebook. Now, there's, quite a, there's a few surprises amongst this lot. The most popular retailers... Most popular five retailers are Target, Amazon, Walmart, Target Style, and Coles. Now, a few surprises in that lot. The most popular musicians are Taylor Swift. Well, that's hard to beat because she has won everything, and she big winner the other night at the American Music Awards. And she is just sensational. I mean, she has she's 23 years old. She has won absolutely everything. She is brilliant. And I've got um, – I belong to a luncheon group where um, one of my friends on the, on the luncheon group is um, – knows her quite well and says she's absolutely delightful, you know, a really lovely person. Number two, Maroon 5, Eminem, Adele – and Lady Gaga, well, that doesn't surprise me. Taylor Swift, Maroon 5, Eminem, Adele and Lady Gaga, you know they'd be up there somewhere. So there's not much of a surprise in that lot. But the one surprise, I reckon, is that the Beatles, the Beatles, 55 years ago they were formed, they came in at number 
eight. Now, everybody else is contemporary, and the Beatles come in at number eight. That's pretty phenomenal. Now, the top five television shows liked on Facebook are Ellen DeGeneres. There's no surprise there. House, that does surprise me, I must admit. Family Guy, doesn't surprise me. SpongeBob SquarePants and Walking Dead. That's okay, I don't have many problems with that. And the top cause categories are animals one, children two, health three, military four, and environment five. I must admit, why people put animals ahead of children as a cause, I'm not sure. That is a bit of a worry, I reckon. But all I can say is, I guess I'm a bit out of touch. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and the whole reason we are here is to attest, attest? Try that again. Is to assist (laughs) entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a question about any aspect of your business or any aspect of business generally, Please don't hesitate to email me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air. And if we can't answer it on air, we'll drop you back an email directly. We're the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs. So no matter where you are on the planet, we thank you very, very much for listening. Now, my guest after the break is a great guy, Simon Tresillian. He is fascinating, this guy. You will love him. He was a um, deep undercover operative for the British Secret Service. Now, that alone's pretty cool, I reckon. I reckon you could live just on that. But he's now a best-selling author. He's got a blockbuster book, which is being made in a Hollywood movie. He's an in-demand speaker. Everybody wants this guy. And he's in Hollywood for a month to lock up this film deal. Now, that's pretty cool, but the coolest part is yet to come. Simon also leads a group of former Special Forces operatives, and what they do, they go into countries and they secure the release, i.e. infiltrate the bad guys and kidnap kids who have already been kidnapped by the bad guys or have been sold into the sex trade or into child labour. So these guys go in, undercover, infiltrate the bad guys, get the kids and rescue them. And they do it all on their own dime. I reckon that is fantastic. In one aspect, he's a tough guy. He's big. He's solid. You wouldn't want to pick pick on him in in an alley. And yet he's caring. He's highly sensitive. And he is one hell of a good bloke. He's a cool guy. And I'll be back with him after this break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on the Voice America Business Network. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? 
Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we talk to people who've pushed the envelope. They've achieved success. And preferably people who are making a real difference in the world. And what we do is we talk to them and try to find out what it is that makes them tick. Now, this program is all about assisting entrepreneurs to learn from the mistakes that others have made and to emulate these successes and encourage we want to encourage others to get out there and give it a go. Now, one of the things that I think is important for entrepreneurs to undertake is for them to do good in the community and try to make this world a much better place. And entrepreneurs are in a unique position to be able to do that, particularly the successful ones. And I've got to say that the people like um, uh, Facebook and Google, they really do try to make it, and Apple now with all its, um, all the money that it's putting into um, alternative energy, they're really trying to make a difference. Well, I met today's guest for the first time just a couple of weeks ago, and now we're working together and become very good friends. Simon Trezillian is really quite an extraordinary guy. For 19 years, he was a Special Forces Commander with the British Secret Service, specialising in undercover work and interrogation. Now, you know, that, that stuff's dangerous. <laughs> he took on the bad guys in all the world's trouble spots, including the real meanies, the Taliban. Now, when he left the service, he began to write books and was in demand, or is in demand, in the media across the world. His first two books were inspirational, Who Dares for Success, and Courage Conquers All Things, and both became bestsellers. Simon, as you can imagine, is also in demand on the global speaking circuit. Quite a spectacular presentation and quite different than what other um, trainers and, and speakers are doing. In his new book, The Order of the Nephilim, it's really causing quite a commotion. It's a blockbuster bestseller. It is likened to a cross between the Da Vinci Code and the Born Identity. I love both of those. 
and Simon is being called the new Dan Brown. This guy's really quite something. Simon is from England. He's been lured to Los Angeles just a few weeks ago by buzz about making The Order of Nephilim into a movie. His story in a few weeks since he's been in Hollywood is really amazing. I know guys that have been here for 25 years and haven't met the people and um, and arranged the things that uh, Simon's arranged. There's so many people in this town who just don't have the drive that Simon has. And when you meet Simon, the reason for this is obvious. The guy's highly focused, very disciplined, and he's a go-getter. But there's another side to Simon that I think is what makes him really special. Despite being, you know, he's big and he's tough and he's strong and he's all of that, and having spent years in a tough, dirty, brutal business, the guy's as soft as butter. He's got a giant heart, and he is doing something that is really, I think, unbelievably important. Despite being really busy, he's assembled a number of former Special Forces operatives, and they're focused on saving children from sex traffickers and people smugglers and child labour, um, particularly in Asia. These guys go into these countries undercover, infiltrate these criminal organisations and rescue the kids. I might have the number wrong, but I understand there are some 2 million children sold into or kidnapped for the sex trade or children's sweatshops every year. The amazing part about this is that Simon and the operatives here have you know, that he's recruited for this, pay all their own expenses. They pay their own way. Nobody pays for it. No government help. Zip. They pay their own airfares, their accommodation, their meals. They meet the cost of the whole lot themselves. Now, that is really giving back to the community. So Simon Treselian is on an upward trajectory. And if you believe like I do that what goes around comes around, this guy is going to be a superstar. And I'm Proud to know him, and I'm really pleased to have him on the phone right now. Hi, hi, mate. How are you? Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much. And what a wrap, i got to say. You know, you, you've got to be my publicist, man, with uh, <laughs> things like that. That is awesome. <laughs> it's been an absolute delight being here. It's been a delight knowing you. And uh, I, I know we're going we're gonna to start rocking a few worlds. It's, uh, it's an absolute privilege to be here. Thank you. Now, I thought I had a pretty great great life but your life is really fascinating and extraordinarily interesting i really want to talk to you about three you know distinct facets of your life this morning um firstly your life as a special forces commander secondly your new best-selling book and your experiences so far in hollywood and then thirdly your organization that rescue kids at risk so let's start with special forces tell us just a little bit about your role and the theatres that you've been involved in? Well, I started from a very early age. At 13 years old, I, I wanted to uh, start karate. I wanted to do martial arts. And I, I never knew why. I, I spent ages you know, under the covers with a torch reading books on samurai and knights and, and all of this type of thing. And essentially, I didn't want to become a soldier. I wanted to become a warrior. And it's a very big distinction between those two. You know, soldiers have very much an external energy. They, you know, they seek to conquer and overcome. Whereas the warriors, they they always had this defensive, beautiful, almost a feminine energy that seeks to protect and serve. 
So I always had that in mind uh, when I joined the military. And therefore, I was a little bit of a, a maverick, a bit of a, a nonconformist. And very soon, that got recognized, um, for some good reasons, mostly. <laughs> and, and I got put towards special forces, where you know, my talents, my ability to be able to push through, my, my fitness, my, my mental fitness and mindset, uh, was recognized as being you know, particularly good for the, the special forces role. So I, I became one of the youngest special forces operators uh, in the British Army. And very soon I started moving up the ranks and, uh, and getting into some you know, fairly unique and very elite units all over the world, mostly on the counter-terrorist or counter-espionage role. So I found myself working in all the areas that you never see on the military recruiting brochures. Um, didn't do much uh, skiing and kayaking and all the good <laughs> stuff. Uh, we found ourselves in, in pretty much the, the worst areas of the world looking at some of the worst things that human beings could do to each other and it was us to, up to us to pretty much clean that stuff up. So um, it's, it's not as glamorous as some people see. It's not as glamorous as you see on the films. Uh, there's a it's lot of James hard work Bond. to actually get there and when you get there you find that there's a lot of people that actually want to kill you. So um, <laughs> it becomes a bit of a challenge almost on a daily 24-hour basis. Um, but you, you come from it, and this is the, the, the distinction I found with warriors, is that they have a distinctly um, powerful mission, and it's that mission and that coming from the heart to fulfill that mission that I have found has probably been the greatest gift. Hmm. When I look back at my service now, there's actually very, very little I regret. Um, but the, the gifts that it gave me, uh, are transferable, and, and I found that they can transfer into every other aspect of my life. You know, it just makes me a better person, I feel, and I think that's true for all of us. You know, when we are mission-focused, when we, when we see that our mission is actually greater than the ego that we have within, mm. and, and coming to L.A., as you say, it's a very different place, and there's it a lot sure of ego is. around, yes. and a lot of shallowness, and what I hope to, to bring uh, to this um, is a sense of creating that mission and bringing a lot of heart and, and real spirit into you know, business and people's lives. So did you leave the Special Forces because your tenure had expired or because you'd been shot too many times and stabbed too many times or because it's a role for younger soldiers or was there another reason? Um, what I saw in the, in, the, in the last part of my service, I was debriefing victims of torture and refugees. Mm. So because of my, my uh, role as an agent handler and undercover, um, they put me into an area where I was able to break down the experience of some of these people uh, that had been tortured anywhere in the world, who had, had been through the worst possible experiences that you could imagine as a human being. Mm. And I found that when I began to work with these people, when I started giving them strategies and skills to, to get their lives back in order, to, to piece back the brokenness um, of, of these human beings that never asked for this, I found a, a great uplifting. It's almost like an uplifting of my soul, if you like, because I realized that throughout all of this negativity, throughout all of this hatred, throughout all of the, the bad stuff that goes on, there is intrinsically within all humankind 
a, a will and, and a spirit to be able to overcome that and aspire to greatness. And I found my, myself having that ability to bring those people into that space. And I thought, wow, that is just, th this is different. This is better than jumping out of airplanes and ruining everyone's day. To inspire people to make a real difference in their own lives and those of others, and especially those that they love. And, uh, and that's what spurred it on. So, so I actually opted for phase, what they call phase four redundancy. Um, so I, I volunteered to leave. And um, at that point, I was one of the most highly qualified Special Forces operators. I was in a restricted trade, a restricted job. Uh, but I didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. Um, but as luck would have it, and I think we create our own luck in life, you do, uh, I actually managed to pull that one off. And I got out of the military. Uh, but taking with me, you know, the spirit of the warrior. And now I bring that warrior spirit, hard won, hard fought, forged in the fires of courage and, and adversity. And I bring that now into into other people's lives. Just a quick question. Spending years as an interrogator of terrorists and all bad guys around the place, what's the key to getting quality information from these people? You know, I, I often think if you're in Guantanamo Bay and you're getting what, some, including me, believe to be totally inhumane treatment. It seems to me that you'll say just about anything so that the treatments you're getting will stop. So if you're interviewing a Taliban, for example, do you see them as people with a different political philosophy or you just see them as inhuman bad guys? I mean, everyone has a philosophy and it's the philosophy that keeps them defensive. So you need to break that down. And the, uh, the, I mean, the easiest answer to your question is time. Uh, everyone breaks. And it's yeah. merely just a matter of time. Um, you know, if you pump them full of chemicals or you do bad stuff to them, that only creates their greater resilience and you actually get less accurate information. Yeah. So, so that doesn't really help. What you've got to find, and I find this is the same as business. When you're negotiating, it's the same as interrogation. You've got to find an element of, of commonality. Sure. You've got to find that part where you have these two conflicting sides, two, two warriors that on the battlefield would you know, likely want to kill each other, two totally political systems, and you've got to find where that commonality is. Because within everything, within every relationship, there is a common thread. And if you can find what that common thread is, and if you can empower that, and if you can actually reframe it so people can see their own perspective in a slightly different way, then that is the thin end of the wedge, and you can start to create change. Okay. You now, know, and, and what let's I get find off. in interrogation, and that's yep. what I find when I teach negotiation skills and sales. And, and it's exactly the same when you're dealing with relationships. You know, we're dealing with people, and people are very, very predictable. They're very predictable. You, you, you've got to know what you're looking for. If you go into an interrogation cell in the same way as you go into a relationship, and you're going with conflict, and you're going with difference, all you're going to get is more conflict and more difference, and you're going to find yourselves in, in, in a worse situation. Okay, so, let's get, so let's, that let's get off that one. Let's get off that one. Let's let's get into something fun. Your new yeah. book, your Hello. new book, and Hollywood. For, yes. Can can you give us a really brief overview, without giving too much away, about sort of the plot of the book? What? 
Yeah, well, it's a, as, you, as you quite rightly said, it's a, it's a major conspiracy blockbuster. It has all of the uh, all, all of the advantages of, of like the Bourne identity. It's got car chases. It's got conspiracy. It's got secret societies. It links into things like the the Bible, the Dead Sea Scrolls, right up to UFOs and what's really going on with secret governments and, uh, and the Illuminati. So it's it's something for everyone. It's uh, it's been absolutely fun to write. Um, I actually dreamt the whole book, uh, and, and it's amazing when I started doing the research afterwards, I found that just so much was right, and this is why we've called it a book of faction as opposed to fiction. Right. It's fact woven with, with, with fiction. And, and I, I do believe that this is something that is very different. Uh, it's a very different type of book. Um, but people, I believe, will be inspired to to make their own judgments and to and to, to seek their own um, you know their, their own path in regards to what this information really means to them. Okay. So I've had a fantastic time with it. Everyone in the industry that's even got close to this project has all got. You can see their eyebrows raise, and they go, "Hmm." And it's much better than a, oh yeah, yeah, we can do this. It's, it's this real quiet understanding that everyone knows that we've got something of massive value here. Uh, and it's been an absolute delight. I was, I came here expecting, you know, lots of resistance and, and lots of time wasting and lots of going up dark alleys in the wrong way and, and it hasn't been that way for me at all. Yeah. It, I've, I've met the most outstanding, generous of spirit, wonderful people that are totally aligned and and it's different to how Hollywood is sometimes portrayed. Yeah, I've so found, I've I found a, that too. So yeah, yeah. I've had a fantastic time. You know, and meeting you as well and, and, and your friends. These people imbibe with such powerful values that it's it's not that's not what's normally talked about. Yeah. Uh, so I've had an incredible time and and I and I feel that this is just the beginning. You know, yeah, we've got lots of meetings set up for for next I week. Think that's right. So when you want to make happen. When you first came here, what what were you expecting to achieve? What was your best wish for when you went back? Uh, my best wish was at least to get some acknowledgement that we had something. Right. Um, you know, we're we're on our way to becoming uh, bestseller. That we will have bestseller status this month. You know, and I was just expecting just to casually meet a few people. You know, get my get my foot a bit wet, if you like. You know, put the toe in the water, and to see whether Hollywood is going to be a good fit for me and, and yeah. a good fit for the. Yeah. Um, so I I always find in life that if you have too many expectations, then you're always going to be disappointed because it's never going to be quite what you what you thought it would be. True. I believe in creating a powerful mission which has the ability to be able to be malleable. You, you can move within it. And it's, it's what I call the, um, the you know, the, the, um, what's it called? I'm trying to think what it is now. The, the law of requisite variety, that's it. Okay. Where that has the most options is always going to win. So if you give yourself the ability to have as many options as there are available, you're never going to be disappointed. So I didn't come with any really fast, it has to be this or it's not good. Yeah. I just thought, well, let's just see. Just the and and just going in with that open mind and open heart and and and, and that whole generosity of spirit, I suppose you attract the same. And so, that, that has been my experience, absolutely. So uh, the hardest thing about, the hardest thing about getting a movie made, 
not only in Hollywood but anywhere in the world, is you can have a fantastic script, you can have everything in place, but it's getting the money. It's always a trick. How are you going on that front? Actually, that's been the easiest part, which oh, is really? really interesting. I didn't expect that, that at all. And uh, speaking with one of my people the other day, they, they literally said, look, if you've got a good story, the money will be there. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, and we've got a great story. And so, you know, we've, we've created what is essentially the perfect storm. We've, you know, we've got a great story. We've got a screenplay. We've got a trailer. Mm. We've got a, a, an app, a game, a comic book, uh, an audio book. Uh, so we've done all the work. Uh, yeah. All someone needs to do is just to uh, provide Throw gas the money. for the car and see how far that car will go. Yeah. Now, in the book, Sean Lincoln's an ex-intelligent agent turned investigative reporter. Is that character based on you? And now, that's the first part of the question. And the second part of the question is, if it's based on you... Um, who do you want to play you in the movie? Is it, um, are you a Statham or are you a Stallone or a Cruz? It certainly won't be Don Adams or Rowan Atkinson, right? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and essentially I'm not, I'm not that cool. You know, I, I look what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a warrior. Yeah, I'm big and I'm chunky and I can look a little intimidating at the best of times. But as you quite rightly said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm soft, as, uh, soft as butter inside. But only if, you, if you're on the good side. If you're oh, on really? the bad side. <laughs> okay. I'll keep, mean. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, as I wrote it, I didn't really think it was me. And the more I've been involved in the project and the more I've come into writing the sequel, which is called The Cradle Falls, um, I realize that it is actually more about me. And I mean, this guy is very much a Snowden type uh, character. And of course, you know, remember that this was written, you know, pretty much a year before Snowden came on the scene. Mm. Uh, so it's not as if we're just trying to leverage that. These, these whistleblowers will become, you know, more and more prevalent as time goes on. And as people just become unacceptable of, of what is really going on in the world. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, okay. it's about me. And uh, in answer to your second part of the question, uh, I, I saw a video the other day of, of Matt Damon. And Matt Damon actually did appear in my dream, which is he not is at all good, weird. Um, but I've, had, I've always had massive admiration for this man because he very quietly and behind the does amazing things. And I saw a video of him the other day coming out with really exactly what we are talking about in the book. He yes. would be the perfect fit, yeah. uh, I believe. So, yeah, I, I, I really feel that someone that, that knows the, the story, that has real values and wants to make a difference, to my mind, that would make more difference to me than just having a, a classy actor acting. You know, yeah. This is a, a bit of a labor of love, I have to say. There's a, there's a lot of similarity between you and Damon. You're both tall, good-looking, slim, fit. <laughs> I, I can see it. I can see it. Okay. That's in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the incredible initiative that you've taken to rescue children at risk. Of all the causes in the world, I think this is a fantastic cause because there's nothing more important to us in this world than children. But of all the causes in the world, what inspired you to take up this particular cause? Well, as, as war true warriors always look at protecting the vulnerable and the weak within the society, you know, those who cannot necessarily defend themselves. So I've always, ever since I've, I've 
you know, I, I can remember. I've been a great advocate for the protection of women and children and animals because they are the vulnerable parts of our society. And I, and I do believe that any you can always gauge a society by how it treats its women, children, and animals. Most and women if they're doing very well, then they're probably not a good society to, to interact with. And, and we can see that in the world today. Geez, most so women I, I know approached look after themselves my, very well. Was, uh, uh, an ex-command, ex-Australian commando, and he was actually the, um, uh, the, the technical director of Survivor. Right. And uh, he, he went over there to Thailand and saw the plight of some of the Hill Tribe's um, kids that were being sold into sex slavery. Yeah. And as a warrior, um, he decided that this was just not acceptable. And he ended up rescuing about you know, four or five initially, just on his own. And so inspirational was his story um, that a few other people started to join him and say, look, what can we do to help? So I started training them in regards to undercover work and you know, how to actually extract from difficult situations. It's something I've done quite a lot of. And uh, I was asked to, to, to take a position in the charity, which is called Grey Man. Uh, so I became a director of Grey Man. And I started doing all the selection processes, and we were selecting at one point we had over 50 operators, Great. and we rescued 145 children um, before the organisation unfortunately hit the skids due to, to massive corruption. You know, yeah, we had no help. In fact, if anything, you know, we the powers that be were against our operations because it made well, it look bad. Yeah, I was going to mention that. In order to save these kids, you're not only working against the traffickers, but you, in the majority of cases, particularly in Asian countries like Thailand, um, you're working against corrupt elements in the police, you're working about against corrupt elements in the army, the corrupt elements in the government. Everybody's got an, a vested interest in keeping this stuff going. So do you go in armed? Do you go in armed or how do you achieve results and not find yourself thrown in jail? Well, we tend not to talk too much about operational measures, obviously, as you can imagine, because sure, sure. um, we, we've, you know, we've got to try and remain as secure as possible. We do everything that we can within the law. Uh, we recognize the law of the land wherever we, wherever we are. We're, we're not a vigilante unit. Uh, we're not a mercenary unit. We're, we're a unit of concerned citizens that see something that is going on in the world which shouldn't go on, and the powers that be, for whatever reasons, have decided not to utilize their powers to eradicate it. So if we don't, then who will? And I remember Edmund Burke when he said, you know, the, the greatest evil in this world is for good men to do nothing. Well, we're good men, and we're not prepared to do nothing. So we realize that we can do things better now. We want to start to operate out of America, which does have more international leverage, um, to be able to put pressure on some of these governments to say, no, this isn't acceptable. Right. You know, the, the sanctity of children, the sanctity of women should be respected worldwide. That should be a, a, that should be a right for every child to at least have a choice to grow sure. up as they wish to grow up in this world. Agree. Simon, we're and running, out of, shouldn't be we're running out of time. We're running out of time, but what happens to the children you rescue? Uh, they go into the into the once they go into the system, they're actually looked after really well. That's one thing that the certainly the Thais and some of the Asian countries do actually do very well. Uh, they clothe them, they educate them, they they don't put them back because obviously it's the the kids have been sold into slavery by their parents in the first place. So it's not a case of just taking them home because all they all they do is sure. just get recycled. 
So they, they do go into like an orphan program. They, they do come out um, with an education and they're safe. And, and that's not our job. Our, our job is not the, just a, the follow-on. We're, yeah. we're, we're just a rescue organization. We don't have the resources all the time. Um, as a, yeah, and, and there's lots of other organizations that are far better equipped to do that. We're just a simple, hard rescue organization. We find out where they are, we get in, we get out as quick as possible, and, uh, and, we, and we do the, do the job. And, you know, we're hoping that the American public will actually get behind this. Um, and in doing so, are basically saying to the world, you know, we're stepping up. We're, we're showing uh, as American values, you know, as the, the freedom from which this country was built upon should extend to the world and not should and shouldn't just extend just by way of, of oil or blue jeans or what we can sell them. But the, the value, the intrinsic value that the forefathers actually created in this world are powerful and, and they're valid and they're valid for every human. And I believe that every human should have that right, should they wish to do so. And we are, you know, we are advocates of that. We will make sure that children have those rights whenever we can. Okay, so if you're out there listening to this show and you've got a few bucks in the bank and you think that rescuing children from um, the, the sex industry and from um, child labour is a, a, an important thing to do and I think it's, a, I can't think of a cause that's more worthy and you'd like to donate anything from a dollar to a million dollars, well I'm not even going to stop at a million dollars, but if you're sitting out there with, with money and you'd like to do some good and we hope that entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur that you will, contact me, just send me an email at bobatbobpritchard.com and I'll pass it on to Simon. Simon, thank you very much for all the terrific work you do and we wish you every success in getting your book onto the screen. Now, if you'd like to know more about Simon, go to Google and look up Simon Treselian, T-R-E-S-E-L-Y-A-N. There's a whole bunch of stuff on him there and uh, there are a number of websites you can go to. So this is Bob Pritchard and you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the most popular radio show in the world for entrepreneurs we're on voice america business and i'll be back with you in just a moment Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business show that's coming to you live every Tuesday night, 5 p.m. here in Los Angeles, 8 p.m. in New York, and uh, whatever time it is, in your neck of the woods, I hope you get a chance to listen. Each week, we try to bring you um, emails from listeners all over the world and also from our female entrepreneurs that form a really good solid base of our listening here. And our first email today comes from Angel Morgan from Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
Angel writes, Dear Bob, I love your show. You give a lot of simple, logical advice that's extremely beneficial to a small business operator like myself. I have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, which I really enjoy. If I sent it to you, would you autograph it for me? If you could, I would appreciate it. My question is, when I quote jobs for clients, should I give them an hourly fee or should I quote them for the project? Angel, firstly, I um, give simple advice because I'm a very simple guy. <laughs> you should see me trying to work a television remote. God's truth. Um, Angel, if you send me an email to bob at bobpritchard.com, I will send you our office address. And uh, if you send me the book, I'd love to autograph it for you. Thanks very much for your support. I really appreciate it. Your question actually sounds simple, but it kind of isn't. In our consulting business, we charge some projects by the hour and others by the project. It just depends on what the job is. Um, if the job's a complex one, it's relatively easy for you to do because you've done it over and over again maybe and you can essentially replicate what you've already done, then I would charge a fair price for the job as a project as if it's being done from scratch. Um, this enables you to get good profit on the job, which you probably didn't get on the original job when you did it. Um, but if it's a difficult job, then you can't possibly accurately estimate how much time it's going to take. Then I would charge that one by the hour. Only quote a project rate if you are absolutely 100% sure how long the job's going to take you to do. There's nothing worse than... Um, giving a price and then finding that it costs you three times as much. I hope that information is helpful to you. Since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, we'll send you a copy of Marketing Magic. It's a book that I wrote with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levison and Robert Bly. And uh, I'm sure that you'll enjoy that too. My second email today comes from Alex... Ramlins, I think it is, of Miami, Florida, who says, Bob, very enjoyable program. We listen to each week's show on Friday at work while we enjoy pizzas for lunch. Hmm, sounds good. We learn a lot, and it really keeps the discussions going. We are interested in knowing what are the largest social media sites. We thought we'd begin evaluating social media for marketing our company. Alex, thanks for your email. Um, I'm assuming that you're referring primarily to US sites. However, um, I'll give you the global picture in case you're looking broader. Facebook's still the largest site in the world with around 1.2 billion monthly users. But what most people don't realize is that YouTube's not far behind with about a billion active monthly users. And that's something I didn't know until I looked it up. So Facebook, the largest, with 1.2 billion. YouTube, second, with a billion. And China's Q-Zone, which I would have thought was in second spot, is actually in third place with only 700 million users. And uh, that's more than twice the size of global social messaging app WhatsApp. And it's three times the size of Twitter. So that's another thing I didn't know, that um, WhatsApp is actually quite a bit larger than Twitter. And when I looked further, I found that Twitter's smaller than some of the lesser-known rivals, including Tumblr, 
Line and WeChat. Um, Twitter's smaller than all of those. So that really surprised me. Only 14% of Facebook users are in the United States. And while they are officially blocked in China, they have 95 million users there, 68 million in India, and 42 million in Brazil. So there is, if you sit there and look at it, they have more users in China, uh, sorry, in India and Brazil than they do in the United States. Now, that's a bit of a surprise. I'm a great fan of LinkedIn and I use it constantly. However, what's interesting is that there are more Indians on LinkedIn than there are Americans on LinkedIn. In China, Google has 100 million users, while Twitter has 80 million users and YouTube has 60 million users. Alex, I don't know whether that information is any help to you, but it sure is interesting. Tomorrow, we'll send you a copy of my latest bestseller, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. I think we've got time for one more email. So my third email today is from Alison Longmire of Honolulu, Hawaii, who asks, Dear Bob, have you tried to Google Glass? Do you think that they are the next big thing? Alison, well, I do not have Google Glass myself, but I've tried them. And I understand from friends who do own them that they're not that special, really. It's designed to be a big time saver and to be very cool with their voice commands and easy visible display reducing your reliance on your smartphone. But I found it distracting and since you can't wear them all the time, and for example, you can't wear them in the car, they end up being just another thing to carry. And, you know, I hate carrying stuff. I hate carrying sunglasses. I hate carrying wallets. I hate carrying cell phones. You know, it's bad enough carrying all that stuff. Google's trying to make it a fashion accessory and it must have video device. But currently at $1,500, it ain't for me. However, it's it's expected to come down considerably, considerably. But even if it um, comes down to a thousand dollars, well, tablets are now going to be about a hundred before Christmas. Probably they'll be a hundred dollars. And the new music features, such as searching for songs and listening to music in hi-fi, it'll probably increase its appeal. And voice commands also help, of course. And um, I saw a demonstration the other day at Metal of videos that were taken with Google Glass, and they actually, I've got to say, were really excellent. But I think for the price, it needs to do a hell of a lot more than it does currently in order for me to pass that part out a 1000 bucks or more. Alison, tomorrow we'll send you an autographed copy of my latest bestseller, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and I'm sure you will learn a lot from it. Okay, we don't have time for any more, so I will skip to the end. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bob at bobpritchard.com or my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Please send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and contact me on LinkedIn. 
Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place that you must come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. And remember, the hungry. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.